Welcome to Simple Faith with host Dale Carlson, bringing solid Christian answers to your questions and concerns. for Simple Faith on Life-Changing Radio. Here's host, Dale Carlson. Welcome to Simple Faith. We're so happy that you could uh, join us today. Uh, We had a cold night last night, and we're going to talk about that uh, quite a bit here in our program today. I'm here with Jim Barnes and Bob (laughs) Bomeyer. And we have a very, very special guest today that, uh, that we're going to, uh, to talk to uh, that has a great deal of wisdom to share with us and, uh, and uh, a great deal of experience to share with us. And I am really looking forward to this guest, um, and uh, we'll, we'll introduce him in just a minute. But uh, today I, I, I'm just kind of full of, um, I'm full of amazement, I'm full of sadness, I'm full of joy. I, I'm kind of a mess today. Uh, I just spent um, several hours with uh, Dan Campbell. He was our last guest uh, last Saturday, um, uh, visiting homeless encampments all throughout um, Lewiston, uh, Lewiston and Auburn. I, uh, I, I uh, started out at the uh, Universalist Church there in, in, um, in Auburn. And they have a meal there every Wednesday and Saturday uh, for the homeless. And they've transformed their basement. This, they've got a huge, uh, huge uh, uh, community room there. And they've transformed that uh, room into a, a, a cafeteria. And they have uh, clothing. They have stuff that people can, can pick up there. And I walked in there, and, uh, and they told me there were 75 homeless people there in the auditorium uh, waiting to be fed. And some of them had been there since 9.30. They open at 9.30. They can, they can start eating at 9.30, and then they close up about 1. And uh, people had been eating there since 9.30, just trying to catch up on the calories that they'd burned, trying to stay warm last night. And we loaded up, we loaded up Dan's car with um, all kinds of prepackaged uh, meals for people that couldn't make it in and they couldn't make it in because they don't dare leave their carts and their their tents because the minute they leave uh stuff is stolen and we went around um lewis and auburn and we went to a um, uh, and we went to a homeless camp out uh this way back kind of in the woods uh hidden away in a in a in a grove of trees uh where where these these people are and we delivered the, that uh, this stuff to um uh, uh to folks there and um uh, I remember this one guy. This one guy uh, came out of his tent, and his fingers were all, all the ends of them were split because he'd been they were they were all dried out because he'd been um, they, he'd been frostbitten in the in mm-hmm. the fingers, and and uh, um, you know the, the the circumstances that those people are living in, especially last night. I think last night was about the coldest night in uh, in that we've had so far, 
and it was miserable. But Dan is bringing him uh, clothing. He's bringing him uh, uh, little tanks of propane, and and uh, he's uh, uh, you're bringing him food. Um, you know, one lady uh, we talked to um, said uh, she she stays right at her her place, the homeless camp. And the minute she goes to sleep, all her stuff disappears. And when she wakes up, it's all gone. She's got to start all over again. There's there's nothing left there for her to uh, to stay warm with or to continue on the the. Wow. Some of the women that we talked to, uh, Dan, uh, Dan had um, had gotten some uh, ladies' underwear and bras and stuff like that, and they were just absolutely delighted to get that stuff. Wow. But you talk about suffering, and you talk about uh, about people that have needs. You know, I, I just I was thinking about this as we were driving along. Um, what would Jesus do if he saw people out there um, freezing and uh, and and with nothing to uh, they had nothing and. Um, what what would he do? What would he do, Jim? Well, I don't. I, 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 he'd go to them. He he would walk among them first and foremost. What he did. It's not what he. What I'm guessing that he would do, but what the Bible tells me he actually did do. He went and walked among them. He got close to them. He listened. Well, he was homeless himself, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He lived. He lived out. No place to yeah, lay no, his head. No place to lay his head. But, but. Uh, uh, you know, if if um, if if Jesus did that, and we're his disciples, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. What are we supposed to do? How? Yeah. And Jesus, Jesus fed five thousand people because they were hungry. I have to believe that he would uh, he would take care of five thousand people who were uh, who were freezing and and homeless and and uh, in danger of dying. Last night. Dan said uh, they had to call 911 at uh, one stop that he made in the middle of the night because uh, because someone had gone into hype, it was hypothermic and they had to haul him away to the hospital and he said there was another guy uh, there with him that that um, uh, that that was in almost the same condition and he just started piling blankets on him mm. and uh, um, uh, you know the the need there is so huge yeah, I was you know I I can see homeless people around the city but to see them all gathered together like that in groups, and, and as we stopped around, he had stopped individually, Dan knows all their names. He knows, he knows <laughs> who they are. And uh, it just, you know, that's what a disciple does. And, uh, and like you said, Jim, that's, that's, what, that's what happens. This one guy crawled out of a tent. He couldn't get out of his tent at first. Uh, he came out of his tent, and, and he was complaining that his fingers were so sore, and he comes out, and the, the, um, the, the, the tips of his fingers were cracked, you know, so deep, you know, it had to be almost to the bone, and he was in pain. He said that his uh, fingers had gotten frostbitten, and, uh, and, uh, and what he really wanted more than anything else was some super glue to, uh, to, tape, to put in those cuts in his fingers so oh that, uh, that it, oh, it seal. That, uh, seal, seal them up. So, you know, what would Jesus do? I've got a, I got a quote from, 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 uh, from uh, somebody, and I, it, it, this guy that made this quote, and I, I'm kind of giving it away already. It's, it's a guy that, that made this quote. I, I don't even like him. He's a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a celebrity. He's on television. And when he comes on television, he, he is he's so far gone to the other side of the woke, <laughs> the, the woke side that, that I, I just I have to turn him off. But I got this, I got this quote, and uh, he's saying, if this is going to be a Christian nation— that doesn't help the poor. Either we've got to pretend that Jesus was just as selfish as we are, or we've got to acknowledge that he commanded us to love the poor and serve the needy 
without condition and then admit that we just don't want to do it. And so, you know, I, I, I've run into people all the time, you know, and, and uh, I, I, we've been talking about this and, and uh, people say, well, you know, that's not my ministry. You know, I, I, I'm not interested in doing that with the, with the homeless. I'm not interested in feeding the homeless. I'm not interested in meeting the homeless. That's somebody else's ministry. Well, that's the, number one. That's the way nothing gets done. Yeah, another, it, another way is to people say to put the blame on them, on the homeless. Right, exactly. To say, oh, they're, they're just druggies and no good, and they're terrible people and dangerous, and we shouldn't encourage them. Exactly, and that's exactly what happens. And, you know, I, I think about Jesus. He says, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I didn't come into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved. So we don't know why they're there. I know that some people are there because they've, they've got drug problems. I know mm-hmm. that some people are there because, unbelievably, it's a lifestyle that they've chosen. But, but there's they're a, there. They're there. And yep. they're hurting and they're dying. And there's a lot of people there, an increasing number of people, because rents have doubled or you know, gone mm-hmm. up astronomically and they can't afford their rent anymore so now they've got a choice they, you know, they don't have any place else to, to go if they've got a few bucks in their pocket they go buy a tent and they're, uh, they, they go live outside and, and uh, the minute they fall asleep all their stuff is stolen uh, so you know I, I don't think any of us has, an, has, has the right to pass by and not do something I don't think the conversation in this country is going to change until we start loving people like Jesus loved us. You know, the, the division, the separation, the anger that, uh, that, that's, uh, that's on one side and the anger that we can keep fighting about that all the time. And we could keep saying uh, this is a Christian nation and we want the laws to be changed so that, uh, that it, uh, it, it benefits us. But look around, it's not a Christian nation anymore. If you think it is, you know, maybe it was 200 years ago. I didn't live 200 years ago. And there's always a debate about that, whether, whether that was Christian or not. But you know, we see this. I've never seen anything like what we're seeing right now in homelessness in this country. It's something has changed, and we've either got to look at it and deal with it. And I, again, I don't think anybody gets a pass not to to uh, to to do something. So I, I'm going to give you Dan Campbell's phone number. He's given me um, his permission his permission for me to allow you to call. And I want to thank people. Last week, last week after he was on, he told me today that there were a bunch of people that called him and said, what can I do? And, uh, oh, and so there was some clothing collected. I believe there was some money collected uh, from people as far away as Saco. And, uh, wow. and so, um, Praise God. so it, you know, it, it's, uh, it's something that he can do. Uh, you can do to help him. His phone number is 713-3939. He'll get back to you. If you can bring it to him, it saves him time. Uh, if he has to come to you, he'll come to you. Uh, because he's out there all the time. He was out there buying propane so that uh, people could get heaters going. He was uh, uh, delivering clothing and, and uh, that that people had donated a sleeping bag or two. He had uh, we had boxes of food that we took right to the people in the homeless encampments. Wow. Uh, you know, and I think you know Dan has said he said on this air this, on air here uh, last week. He said there's some good things happening in Lewiston Auburn, and that's true. But it isn't. A drop in the bucket, and I can say that because I was out there today. Because you went there, it was a drop in the bucket compared to what the needs are, and what an opportunity for us to have something to do in the name of Jesus. You know, I would hate to get stuck on the wrong side of the um, the sheep and the goats parable, and you know, if we're not if we're not feeding the hungry and clothing the naked, and that's exactly who these people are, uh, Jesus is going to say, "I don't know you." 
get out of here. I, I, I have no idea who you are. So you can blame me for saying that. I don't care. It's time that the church stands up and that we as Christians are doing what Jesus called us to do. Mm. And, uh, and if you're not hearing this, I'm going to be saying it over and over. In fact, I've invited Dan, and I'm hoping he can. Uh, I've invited him to call in on a weekly basis uh, to give a three-minute update on the, you know, what's going on in the homeless community and what the needs are so that you can be aware. And I'm going to make you aware, uh, whether you like it or not, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you're going to hear it, and then you're going to have to deal with it before the judgment seat of God. And uh, I, I, I just, I, I, I'm on fire today because I saw it, and it was up close and personal. If you want to see it up close and personal, that can be arranged. Hmm. But trust me, it's, uh, there's, there's something going on out there that, that uh, we don't get a pass on. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you feel like. You know, some, some people just want to feel good uh, and, and, and warm and fuzzy about ministry things. They want to go to discipleship meetings, but unless those discipleship meetings are helping us, mobilizing us, and motivating us to, uh, to feed the hungry and clothe the naked, uh, we're on the wrong side of the parable of the sheep and goats. What is Dan's number again? Oh, it's, so thanks. It's 713-3939. 713-3939. I hope he's going to be able to call in. He told me that uh, if he doesn't call in, he's just, he's, he's just, he, can't, he can't get away. There's so much to do. He's out there day and night uh, working with his folks, and, uh, and there's a whole bunch of people. There was a bunch of people wow. serving there at the, at the Universalist Church, um, uh, and uh, uh, they had a wonderful meal there for folks, um, but it's not enough. It's not enough, and, and no. people can't do everything. Mm-hmm. But we can do everything if we all start to work together. You know, that's, right. Nobody has to do this on their own. I think Dan is carrying a heavy load. Yes, he is. And trying to do it himself. So let's Well, and, but Jesus put it this way. He says, I can do, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, I can do all things through, through Christ, Christ who, strengthens. who strengthens me. Exactly, that's exactly. That's absolute assurance. It looks impossible. Mm. But you can you can do it. Nobody, nobody, nobody gets a pass. Mm-mm. No, but go nobody, and see. Go and see. Nobody, nobody has to do it alone. I mean, mm-hmm. this is what the body of Christ was designed to do. Jesus left. He he uh, he said, "Go make disciples." We're his disciples. We're to be like him and do the things that he did. This is something that Jesus would do. And uh, so, I'm I, I'm done with my rant now. <laughs> okay, but you're one who did what Jesus called on his followers to do. When he came up from that empty tomb, victorious over sin and death, first thing he said to the people that were his followers were, come and see, go and tell. That's exactly what you're doing right now. Well, I did nothing compared you to what You went down and saw, I, yeah, and I, now you're going to tell. Yeah, we have, we have a plan to, uh, to, uh, to do something extra for the folks that are living on the street, yeah. and we'll be talking about it next week. Uh, it's too early to talk about it now, but I'm excited about it. We, 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 put, the, we put the word out to, uh, to, um, um, we put the, word out to, uh, to the homeless people today and, and uh, to a few of them, and they got excited about it. And, uh, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun uh, you know, serving Jesus in, in ways that you haven't even imagined yet. So, uh, so uh, we'll be talking more about that in the future, and I'm 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 so happy to be able to have this this uh, platform to be able to talk mm-hmm. to folks about it. And sometimes, you know, when folks don't call in here, we wonder if anybody out there is listening. 
But the fact is, Dan said people called last week, and I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, people wonderful. are saying, "How can I help?" Mm. And it isn't. You know, it was cold last night. It got down where I was. It got down to about 15 degrees last night. Ooh. But it, you know, it's going to get below zero. And uh, I was stoking, yeah. I was stoking our wood stove all night last night, keeping the house warm. Uh, these people don't have that, so. You know, I, 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 I want to say pray about this, what you're going to do about it, but you don't need to pray about it. You need to get out there and do it. If you're a disciple, you just need to get out there and, and, uh, and make some effort. This is, an, this is an emergency. It's uh, all hands on deck. People are literally dying out there, and they will die. Um, if, uh, right. and, uh, and, and well, well, even if you can't get out there to support men like Dan. Dan, yeah, send them. Get, you know, get, get him some sleeping bags. Sleeping get, bags, clothing. You know, give him it, things to work with. Cash, you know, he, 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 we went into the uh, uh, convenience store. He bought 10 coffees uh, to, to, uh, to hand out to people that he knew on the streets. And, and we, we stopped by there on the streets. He knew them all by name. He, uh, we, we met a, a gal that had been raped. Oh uh, a couple nights ago, and and uh, and uh, he's he uh, he went out and he found a, a place for her to go that's safe. Oh, wow. And uh, um, so you know, there's people out there doing that, but there is so 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 much more that needs to be done. I think we ought to give Dan's number at one more time. Yeah, it's seven one three thirty nine thirty nine. Hopefully, he calls in today, and we yep. get a chance to talk to him some more and get get a three minute update on on what he's doing. And we're going to do that every week. Uh, is as long as Dan's able to do that, and it's not interfering with his work. With a you know, we we need help, and he needs help, and he said I need help, and so let's help him. Mm. So that's that's it for that, and uh, and I'm going to move on to our wonderful guest today. Uh, this is uh, a mystery I, guest. Is a mystery guest, but he's not a mystery to you. It's not a mystery to me. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk to Jim Barnes today. Tomorrow is his birthday, and tomorrow he's. <laughs> Tomorrow he's going to be, how old, Jim? Well, that's 29 in reverse. Yeah, 92. 92. And and what he's doing, he's he's got a he's got a church that he's still pastoring. Uh, he's in here. You know, he's got that sparkle in his eye, and that's he's right. got he's got a he's got a, um, a, a, a spring in his step, and and uh, he's out there doing what God has called him to do, and uh, and he's got an amazing amazing. Um, story to tell. Uh, he's had years of working with the homeless, and we've appreciated that. We're learning from him. Uh, but uh, welcome, Jim, uh, to your birthday party here on air. And this <laughs> I've is, got a cake. Yeah, <laughs> you brought me a cake. Yeah, and and this is this is a kind of a bittersweet uh, week for us because Jim has said uh, said that uh, it's time that he retires from the radio program. And uh, well, not retire. Because that, God says, you know, that word isn't in my book. Yeah. Uh, he, he won't let me retire. But to back down a little bit from some things. Yeah, you know, uh, we've, we made this decision a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and uh, uh, Jim has become our most faithful caller on the program. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine that's going to stop, Jim. And I oh, just no. appreciate so, that. So you Jim, won't get t- tell me that easy. Tell us a little bit about you know ninety two years and uh, and 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 you're still you're still chugging along more than chugging along. You're kind of like the uh, the 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 blue bullet on the on the Amtrak uh, uh, going fa- faster and faster down the tracks. Well, now to begin with, I'd like to talk about a couple of times in my life that God has kind of got my attention 
because the the question that I want to answer is, how did I get to doing what I'm doing? Ninety two. Where, where did that come from? Mm. And there were a couple of things that I go all the way back uh, a few years in my life to say God did something. And uh, he made himself known to me, and he got me to the place where I wanted to learn about him. Mm. And this was, it was part of it was him. And part of it was my willingness to say, okay, if you're going to bug me like this, I want to learn more. I want to know who you are and what you're doing. So, but the first thing, the first time that I think that God kind of busted into my life and was when I was about seven or eight years old as a little kid. Mm. And my mother really believed that God was real and that God was powerful and important and good. And he, she communicated that to me. And I remember, for example, one key time when I was about seven or eight years old, and uh, my father had gotten an infection. And I had three little brothers. There were four of us. My father had gotten an infection, and being a uh, New England macho man, why he, he, he kind of neglected it and didn't go to the doctor or have anything done about it. He got an infection on his nose from his glasses. And he just kind of put on a little mercurochrome and that was it. And it got worse. And finally, my mother talked him into going to the doctor, said, you've got to go to the doctor and see that. Well, as soon as the doctor looked at it, he put him in the hospital. Wow. And this was back in the days when there was no such thing as uh, penicillin yeah. or sulfa drugs or mm-hmm. antibiotics. They didn't exist. And so they took him into the hospital and began to treat it uh, as best they could. Eventually, it ge- and it kept getting worse. And the infection got to the point where they said, we, we, ha- we have no weapons to deal with this. We can't stop it. Mm. The infection is moving towards his heart. And uh, they had given up on him and said, He's, this was my father. And they said, mm-hmm. we, can't, we can't stop it. It's gone too far. And it's going to go, eventually it'll get to his heart and he's going to die. And they sent him home from the hospital to spend his last days at least at home. And he was so, as a seven-year-old kid, here was my dad dying mm. right there in my house. And my mother, I remember one night, I got up to go to the bathroom at late in the middle of the night, oh, midnight or so, and the light was on in the bathroom, and I, as I came close to it, my mother was in the bathroom on her knees at the bathtub scrubbing dirty linens for my father who was dying in the bed, in the bedroom. Mm. And... She was singing, and she was singing hymns. Wow. And, and, and I listened, and she, boy, she knew hymns, and a lot of them. And she, it was like she was singing to God mm. in this desperate situation with a dying husband and four little children, not knowing what she was going to do and how she was going to deal with this. 
And I saw the, what faith in God, the power of faith in God in her. I saw God in her. I began to come to know that God was real, mm. and so he sure was for her in that situation, and that God was good. Yes. And she believed that. And so God got my attention. Well, eventually, they, they were beginning to experiment with sulfur drugs, what they call sulfur drugs, and antibiotics. And they asked my mother if she would grant them permission to t do some tests on him with these sulfur drugs. Hmm. And they had no idea how what, that could kill him right away. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had no idea. But my mother said yes. She prayed about it, and she said yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sulfur drugs worked. They mm -hmm. saved Wonderful. his life. Saved his life. Mm -hmm. He came back to life. And he was in his 50s, uh, early 50s. Yeah. And uh, lived till he was 87 years old. Isn't that great? But so it, 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 when I was a young kid, I, God showed me mm -hmm. clear that he was, and he was real, and he was good. Mm -hmm. Then another thing that happened, the next time that God real knocked on the door, he got more personal. He got a little more direct and personal with me. I was a teenager, and... Uh, I had, at my, with, because my parents insisted on it, I went to a youth group. I got involved in a youth group at the church, at mm. the local church that we attended. And I didn't really want to go. And my father decided finally one night, <laughs> my, my mother had been urging me, and I'd been saying, coming up with excuses. And my father called me into the room one night and one Sunday evening and said, uh, come on out with me to the car. We're going on a little trip. I'm going to take you to the youth group. And wow. you're going. Wow. And I... I How old were you then, Jack? I was, oh, maybe 14, 15, I think. And I, you know, I, I do, what do I want with the youth group over at the church? I got friends here and we play sports and we have fun. Mm. And... Uh, I know them, and they like me, and 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 I love sports. Oh, oh, I, all kinds of sports. I'll go to a Sunday night youth group. I did not want to do, so <laughs> I went. And I, in the first place, I was overwhelmed at how welcome I was. I didn't know any of these people, and they didn't know me. Hmm. And I was kind of a skinny little kid, and how they welcomed me in uh, to their midst. So I started going back. And eventually, uh, I became a senior in high school, and, and I was, became president of the youth group. And they invited me. The church had an annual youth Sunday where they, the youth took part of the Sunday morning service. We actually conducted the Sunday morning service. And since I was president of the youth group, they asked me to uh, preach the sermon. Wow. And I was terrified. Preach a sermon. And uh, the youth leader helped me out and we put something together and I was scared to death and I got up there into that pulpit in that mm. big church and looked down at those people and oh I came all apart. Wow. And I had it all written out, what I was going to say. I had it written out in front of me, but I just came to pieces. I was terrified. I started to, oh, 
and and I lost my place and I kept stumbling over words and made a terrible mess of it. I, I thought it was a total failure. And then at the end of the service, they made me stand in the back of the church while everybody came by and shook my hands yeah. and said, oh, that was sweet and that was nice and all. And I didn't want to do that either. Oh, my, I just wanted to get out of there. But during that process, a man in the church, an old, uh, a new guy that I didn't know, very serious guy who mm-hmm. always brought a Bible with him when he came to church on Sunday mornings, he came up to me and he looked me straight in the eye and he said, I can tell that you're one of them. I can, your accent gives you away. Wow. And I said, what, what accent? Uh, I'm one of what? <laughs> what is this man talking about? And I asked him if was he did I talk funny? Was that what he was troubled with my accent? And he says, No, it's in the Bible. Go look yeah. it up. And he gave me the passage, Matthew twenty it was Matthew twenty six seventy three, verse seventy three mm. in, in the gospel and he and he gave me the chapter and the verse and he said, Go look it up and see it, and I, it kind of rattled me. And as soon as I got home, I opened my Bible, and I looked at this passage, and there it was, just what he said. Yeah. You, I, I can tell that you're one of them. Yeah, you speak, speak Your speak, accent yeah. betrays you. And it was the stranger speaking to Peter. Yeah. Who said, you're one of Jesus' followers. Mm-hmm. And they, were, they had arrested Jesus. Yeah. And one of the crowd turned to him and said, I can tell that you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. As soon as I read that, it was like God was putting his hand on my shoulder Mm -hmm. and saying, hey, do I have your attention? You're one of Jesus' followers, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Sorry, but you have no choice in the matter. You're one of them. And, uh, Isn't that great? So and that's true, true well, Jim, because we've given our lives to Jesus. We don't own these lives anymore. Is that what you're saying? Y- exactly. Yeah. It, that it's yeah. not my. It's not. I don't choose. The one, the God who made me, is the one who does the choosing. And so I didn't know what that meant, but I thought this is this is. I got to do something about this. And the best I could understand was that God wanted me to be a minister. Mm. So there I was. And, jeez, I, I went to college, mm. and then I went to seminary because— That's what you do. That's what God <laughs> said I was supposed to do. <laughs> and so I did it without really understanding what, why, but— uh, it was what Jesus wanted me to do, so I did it. Yeah. Well, I became pastor at a church. I went through seminary, and I wasn't a great student. And I was kind of, a, and in college, I was kind of wild, and uh, I wasn't particularly holy. But I was there. I was where God wanted me to be. Wow. And one thing led to another. I just did took the next step that yeah. He presented to me. I took. I became pastor of a church, a small church in a little town the of Massachusetts. Steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and they, my steps were sure ordered. Mm-hmm. So I became a pastor of a church. 
and but I didn't really quite know what that meant. But I, I understood that from wh- what Jesus, what I saw from Jesus, yes, was that my job was to preach and teach and bring the love of Jesus to people mm-hmm. who Amen. needed it, and that was it. I, of course, I didn't know anything about or understand anything about running a, an organization called – it was a local church, and they owned property, and they had finances, and they <laughs> had budgets, and I was supposed to be running the thing, and that I didn't know anything about. Let's take a break just for a moment, uh, Jim. We've got uh, Dan on the phone. He's going to give us a three-minute update on uh, on what's going on the homeless. It's a good place to stop. And uh, how are you, Dan? Yeah, is this Dale? Yeah, it is. It is. I was just thanking uh, you and, uh, well, your your son, and uh, thank you for spending some of the afternoon with me out on the streets of LA for the homeless. Yeah, let me me call you back, Dan. This phone, we've got a bad connection here. I'm going to call you right back, and actually I'll have Bob call you back, and and, uh, we'll get a better connection because people need to hear what you have to say today. Okay? Well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, uh, the, the phone number, Bob, is 713-3939, and that's for your benefit, too. If you have something that Dan can use, uh, uh, we're, going to, uh, we're going to make a big effort to, uh, to get people lined up and, and take care of the needs out there um, uh, that, that we have. So uh, are you there, Dan? Yeah, right here. Oh, that's great. That's great. Let's... Uh, Let's uh, t- uh, so I, I I thoroughly enjoyed the time that uh, we had. Enjoy isn't the right word because we saw a lot of suffering. Uh, we saw people that were um, were which have enormous needs. And yeah, uh, I th- okay. I think we lost Dan there. Seven one three thirty nine thirty nine. We're gonna try again. Got him. Okay, are we are we good there? There, are we good, Dan? How are we doing? Okay, I think okay. I think finally we got you. We got we got to get this uh, pattern down a little bit better. <laughs> but I appreciate you calling. I've told people that you're going to call in every week that you can. There might be some weeks you 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 have to miss because uh, because you're just too busy doing what God has called you to do. But um, I, you know, I, I I almost I almost missed this one, but God reminded me to call you. No, <laughs> well, I'm glad He did. So tell us what's going on out there, Dan. I've I've filled them in a little bit on my experience, but uh, but tell them what. Tell them what's going on out there and uh, some of the stories that maybe you uh, saw, saw this morning and, and or have seen over the last few days and, and, uh, and then what people can do to help. I think that's the most uh, important thing. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for taking this and giving me the opportunity to share what's really out there. Um, the, the, people have shelters. There's shelters out there across the country, but you really want to find out. You got to hit the streets, and you're gonna really find out what's really underneath this whole thing with uh, with the homeless people. Um, the the very first thing right now, it, it, which which scares me, brings tears to my eyes, and uh, our, a picture tells a thousand words. I wish I could show you the pictures that uh, I was able to take at five o'clock this morning. Uh, of people literally in doorways, causeways, on cement ground. Uh, and I'm not talking one or two. I'm talking mm. multitudes of people with just a thin blanket in their jacket. And and their hands are swollen up. And you had a chance to see that today, Dale. Well, uh, it was an education was an, for an, me. An, 
Is that Michigan right around here? Just right around that- Lewiston, Lewiston, Auburn. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Hundreds yeah, of them. Go ahead. And you said there's multitudes, like hundreds of people who are out there? Oh, there, oh there's definitely hundreds. <laughs> yeah. There's no question about that. Some of them are hiding better than others, and some people have uh, a place they can stay at $15 a night, uh, and there are girls that are sleeping in places where they shouldn't be sleeping just to get shelter, um, and, and guys, too. Uh, it, it's... Um, it, you know, I was talking to someone who was with uh, Dale and, and Nate and myself today and after, and, uh, and I said, we were talking and we realized that this wasn't even like this two years ago no. in the Hallucinopin area. I mean, it is just mushroomed and not in a good way. Um, oh. and, and, and the need out there uh, for shelter, it goes beyond anything at this point that I can even... <sighs> And it hurts. It hurts to see what I see out there. And the community needs to step up. And don't get me wrong, they step up. When I ask, they, they, when I say the community, I'm talking about people giving donations, um, not financial donations, though some of it is true. But most of it, like today, when somebody knew what we needed, uh, they called me up and I got, to, I got like 10 pair of brand new fleece boots for women. Um, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we have a problem out there. It's an epidemic. It's not just, you know, something's just going to go away and we say, oh, you know, I, these panhandlers, you know, the panhandlers out there, by the way, they are homeless. And I'd be glad to introduce to anybody who thinks that some of those panhandlers are homeless because they are. And I was dealing with one, that's the reason why I was supposed to call it a 320 jail, because I was dealing with one of the persons that was doing some panhandling to try to be able to buy some food and thank God for what we were doing, as you know, passing out food. I was able to bring some food over to her. And, mm. and she, she asked me, she asked me how I was doing. That was the first words out of her mouth. She said, how are you doing, Dad? She said, how's your family? I know they've been sick. And I just, oh. I just looked at. Them. I mean, these people are grateful for everything we give them. Yeah, there's one or two that just like they're, they're in shell shock. Most of them that don't, that aren't grateful. But I don't, you know, anything that we give them, they're always saying thank you, thank you, and they mean it. They're not just saying it to placate. They're saying it from the bottom of their heart. The fact that somebody cares, that mm. somebody's going uh. out there and reaching out. And don't get me wrong, I know that some of you people in the audience, and if you're not in the audience, I, I wish you were, that you do go out there, and you, you, do, you do deliver some food, and, and, you, and you try to do the best that you can, and God bless you. But we need much more than that uh, as a community, as a whole. And we have to step up. And I have ideas, I got lots of ideas, um, however, this isn't the forum to talk about. I'm just here to report right now, Dale, what is out there. No. And you got a tip of the iceberg. Uh, I just got in, literally just got in, and I dropped you off at uh, 10 oh. past 1. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, I, I, I could see that there's still a lot to do. And, Dan, yes. thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I'm going to invite you to call in. If you can't call in at exactly 20, 20 after 3 or, 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 or 20 to 4, uh, call in anytime. We'll find we'll find a, a, f- a few minutes for you to give okay. us an update because I think it's so important. You know, I, I was as I was um, thinking about this, I was thinking about that verse in James, 
And it says, mm. if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their needs, what use is that? I mean, and, and that's kind of where we're at. This is an opportunity for the church to step up and to show the love of Jesus because nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. And, and, uh, and Dan, you knew the people's names today. I mean, we walked out there, and you, you shook hands, and you know people's names. And, uh, um, uh, and, and that's, that's, uh, that's, that's what it takes. And, and uh, so we'll, we'll be hearing from you again. i got to get back on with Jim here and, and hear his story. Okay. And uh, thank you. Uh, we, we've got a plan, too. You and I have a plan that uh, we're going we're gonna to hopefully next week or, or so we can get that uh, implemented, and we're going to have a blast. Okay, you bet. And thank you for taking the time to let me call it. Uh, please keep calling. God bless you. Bye bye. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Yes, thank you. God bless. Where were we? You were uh, you were well, you were just going to uh, you'd become a pastor. Become a, of a pastor, and I hope you don't get the impression that in order to be a Christian uh, and to follow Jesus, you got to become a pastor of a church because or a minister. No. Well, you have to become. A, you have to be a minister, but you don't have to be a pastor. You've got to be willing. Y- yeah, you, you just got to be willing. Okay, Jesus, yeah. I'll do what you show yeah, me. Exactly. Because I fell on my face. And that first church that yeah. I served, I absolutely, I, I was young and immature, and I made mistakes, and, and, I, and I got frustrated, and I got angry because they, they wanted me to run an organization, and I wanted to talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I finally, I gave up. I, I, I resigned from the ministry. I just quit. And uh, I said, Lord, I can't do this. And uh, I, I just leave me alone, Lord. Let me be just an ordinary person like everybody else and do what I want to do. Sounds like Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, God, don't, don't make me do this. And uh, so I did, I did that. I turned away. I turned my back on, on what God had co- on, on responding to taking God seriously. I turned my back on it. And, uh, geez, I got married, I had a family, and I had children, and I drifted further and further away from God and his calling. And I gradually became, you know, just more and more involved in pointless self-indulgence. And, uh, but God wasn't about to let me go. He wouldn't leave me alone. Mm. And for some reason, I kept on going to church on Sunday. Mm. Even though I was no longer in the ministry and I was living a, a kind of a stupid, messed up life. But by age 40, by the time I was 40 years old, I was unemployed, I was broke, and I had a wife and children to, to care for and, mm. and feed. And uh, oh, I was desperate. I was desperate. And it was through a friend at the church that I was going to on Sundays. A friend came up to me, he came alongside me, he saw what my situation was, and he guided me towards a job. Well, wow, anything to get a job. But it was weird. He, he, he was telling me that he, he, this job involved being the administrator of a Christian drug and alcohol rehabilitation center, hmm. working with drug addicts and alcoholics. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute, no, 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 I, I, I can't do that. But I, I needed the, the income. 
So I took the job. I, it was just like, I, God, I was getting so darn rebellious that God backed me into a corner and put me in a place who, where I had no choice but to do what he wanted me to do, so I took the job. And, uh, and it, I'll tell you, it was uh, for the first time in my life, in a very unexpected and uh, dramatic way, in this, this kind of evangelistic madhouse called a Drug and Alcohol Rehabilitation Center, I saw, I actually saw God's saving love in Jesus Christ no, in action changing lives. That, for the first time in my life, I saw the so th power of God's love the actually changing lives. The first encounter was at seven when your dad was sick. And now you come back and you're saying, hey, I'm seeing again the hand of God. Yeah, my father made me go to <laughs> the youth group, and yeah. God got me in a situation of unemployment and desperation where he, I, he got me into this program as an administrator, and I worked in that. And that was just the beginning. Uh, it included... And, and and for not for the next fifty years, that was what my life was. And, my, and where was this, Jim? Well, this was in Connecticut, in yep. Noah, Connecticut. It was a Teen Challenge Center there, which is ah. still in existence, yep. and it still ministers to the needs of people, mostly coming out of New York City, broken alcoholics and yep. druggies and messed up people. Nikki Cruz came, yeah, that's yeah, all yeah, of yeah. So uh, and so. That was the beginning of uh, a, my a career, a fifty-year career wow. in ministry, not as a pastor of a church uh -huh. at all, but in organizing and directing these programs, these needs, going into a city, seeing a need, and then organizing a program to meet that need in a church, going to a local church and and saying, okay, we need to meet, here's a need. Did you know that there are homeless people in your community? Right. Did you know there are people who are dying, drunken addicts and alcoholics on the streets in your community? We've got to do something about it. And they said, okay, what, what should we do? And I would sit down with them and say, here's what we can do. Mm. Here's, here's, let's start feeding these people. Mm. And I said, what, how are we going to do that? And I began a program. I found a, a room for rent, a very inexpensive room for rent, up over a pawn shop in, in <laughs> Fairfax, Virginia, in fact. And I was able to get it for, for relatively low rent, and it was one large room with a big table in the middle of it. And so we started, we looked at it and said, well, how can we use this to feed homeless people? And I got some volunteers and people to Isn't that prepare, wonderful? begin to prepare food. And yeah, and when 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 you told a specific thing that somebody could do to help these people who were struggling and in need, they came forward and they did it. Now sometimes for some strange reasons, only because it made them feel better. Mm -hmm. But it began the process, and we would every day we would set up food for people and open the doors and say, come on in. Mm. If you're hungry, 
I don't care what you're doing. If you're hungry and you want to eat, come and and eat. Come and dine the master call us. And we added a a clothing ministry where we collected decent clothing for people. We added a laundry where they could Mm. bring in their dirty laundry off the street and get it clean, get it washed in washing machines and dried and cleaned. We had we had showers where people could go in bathrooms that they could use in a place where we had showers. We had storage space where people could bring their bundles of clothes that they were afraid would get stolen on the street. Mm-hmm. They could bring them in locker, put them in a locker. Mm-hmm. And uh, Well, we need that in Lewiston-Auburn, don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, these are some of the kinds of things. That we, and we had telephones. We put in about six phone lines we got put in there so that people could make phone calls looking for job and looking for help from churches and from friends. Well, you know, it's, it's impossible to get a job if you don't have clean clothes and you can't take a shower. That's right, and uh, and and so that's a huge yeah. need. I mean, that, there there you go again. It's just a, it's a huge need. I didn't mean to interrupt you, no. Jim. But but so we started doing this. We just opened yeah. up every day, mm-hmm. every morning at eight o'clock in the morning. We'd be up there and until five o'clock in the evening, and anybody come. Mm-hmm. And but the, the the real gem of that first ministry that I did in Fairfax was. In the middle of the day, in the middle of twice a day, in the middle of the morning, in the middle of the afternoon, I'd come, come out and sit down at the table and open up a Bible and said, "Okay," and I'd holler it to anybody who was standing around eating or on the phone or whatever they were doing. I'd say, "Okay, come on, it's time to look at the Word mm-hmm. to find out about God," and I'd sit down at that table and open up my Bible, and people would come and the and the volunteers who were helping me out there would all come to the table and a few of the homeless people would come over to the table to see what the heck we were going to do and we would open up the bible and we'd start talking about the bible and what does it mean what does it really say and i'd start we'd read a passage and then ask people questions about what does that mean to you and uh at first it was just myself and in in my volunteers that would be there but little by little people would watch us as we were sitting at that table, and and we got very excited. So let, let let me get this clear. So so this is what you did. This is the pattern of things. You fed them, you clothed them, you gave them a place to do their laundry, you gave them a shower, and uh, and and then they wanted to listen. And I told them about Jesus. And you, then they wanted to listen. <laughs> then they wanted to listen about. And Jesus. And then they were willing to come, because little by little. They, they knew you cared. Some of them would stand off in the corner of yep. the room and go away from the table, and yep. and and but they'd look over at us. And see what it was we do, and they and we get into this, these wonderful discussions, and we'd be laughing and shouting wow. and carrying on at that table with the Bible, you know, and it was all about the Bible. And they started to get curious, and gradually they would move a little closer so they could hear what we were saying, and then eventually they'd come and they'd sit down at the table and join us. Hmm. And next thing you know, we were feeding. Jesus to folks at that table as well as food. And and here you are at 92 tomorrow, and you're still ministering Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? And you have a wonderful group that you meet with a couple of times a week. Well, and I, I, did. I wish you could be here to see the sparkle that I see in Jim's eye right now. I mean, it's, he's just he's just glowing over here, and uh, and I saw that same sparkle in in Dan this afternoon. But so. the first time I saw the needs of the homeless was when a pastor uh, who was a friend of mine in a church in New York City uh, asked me to come. Mm-hmm. 
and said, I want you to see what we're dealing with here. Mm. And, and he took me out on the streets mm-hmm. in New York City, and mm-hmm. I began to see the homeless, and it was a yep. sight, yep. It, and get to know people by name yep. that were there. And, and we had a feeding program, and we, people would come in, and I'd get to know them mm-hmm. and get to talk with them and get to see th- their need. Mm. Their brokenness and their hurting mm. and their pain and their hunger, just like you described your journey last night out there in the streets of Lewiston. I got to see it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Yep, it and when I saw it, I said, these are real people. Yeah, they are. They're real I, people. I, and, and so 50 years now I've been doing that. Mm. God bless you. God bless you. Jim, I, I, you know, I, 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 I see that, you know, I was at a Universalist church this morning, um, a lot of you might not like to hear that. Uh, but, you know, I, some people have strong feelings about that. But there were things going on there. These people were being fed. Mm. They were getting uh, a warm meal. And I saw that same glow on the people who were serving. I mean, it was just it was amazing. I mean, this, those folks were happy. Dan is having the time of his life. It's, it's, it, it brings you to tears. I, I, I can see the emotion in him. But Jesus is working in his life, and uh, and and it's uh, it's you know, he wouldn't be doing anything because else. when you start doing something like that with with folks who are really hurting and in trouble and in need, they want to know why are you doing this exactly. And and they're asking that that's the invitation. And they're they're asking. You're not telling. They're asking, and and uh, yeah. it's not that you don't tell people where it comes from. But boy, when 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 the the question comes from them, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, yeah. Really when you does. start to say, "Well, I, I I got this friend named Jesus, yeah. and so, he sent me." Ninety-two years old. You're the you're the <laughs> senior person here in this uh, in this room, and uh, probably the senior person that's listening to the radio program today. What advi- <laughs> what advice would you have for us, Jim, going forward? Well, I, it's, I, it would be simple. Listen, has Jesus come into your life? Has God made Himself known to you? then go and see. Listen, when he tells you, go out there onto the street and see. Find a way, and, and it might be by calling Dan. Mm. And, uh, but find it out. Go out yourself uh, you know, maybe, on the street and maybe, look and yeah, see. Maybe people don't go out there because they're afraid, but it, oh, it, says, yeah. it says in the Bible, perfect love casts out all fear. You don't mm. have to be afraid. You know, well, what, my wife hated it when I once when I first started doing that, yeah. and I was in. I'd go into the city in this awful sections of the city where there was drunks and druggies and mm-hmm. all kinds of mess. And my wife said, "Wait a minute, you can't go there. I love you. Mm-hmm. I, I, you, that's too dangerous." Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could say to her was, "I really believe that if Jesus, if I'm doing this because Jesus asked me to do it." Then I've got his protection. Then I'm under his protection. And even if something happens, even if it happens, he, we've got his protection. He's still be, in charge because we're going somewhere. Oh, if we yes. believe in, if we if we truly believe, we don't have to be afraid of anything. Not no, even death. Not even death. That's not even a. That's not even a uh, a cause. So, <laughs> Jim, uh, it's been great having you here. And I think I bet you. if I twist your arm once in a while, you come back and and uh, and sit with yeah, us and, and do another program here and there. Well, but I made it tonight. You today. Yes, you did. you did. God bless you and uh, join us again. Call Dan seven one seven one three three nine three nine. Give him a call. See what you can do to help. Don't get on the wrong side of the parable of the sheep and goats. Be happy. And Dan is a gentle guy. He is. It's nice right. to know. 
God bless. <laughs>